The podcast is brought to you by Michael Bowen and the Bowen team of Waterstone Mortgage. You got to call Michael Bowen if you're thinking about possibly buying a house this year or maybe even refining. The rates have just dropped. The coronavirus is freaking people out and rates are down. You got to give Michael a call. His phone number is 505-259-8326, 505-259-8326. He can answer any questions that you might possibly have about anything related to mortgages. This guy is a super genius when it comes to mortgages. He's in the President's Club. He's a platinum producer with his company. He's been doing it for a long time, and he's really good at what he does. As a real estate agent, I use Michael Bowen. I refer my clients, I should say, to Michael Bowen all the time because I know if I do, they're going to be in good hands. Give Michael a call today. His phone number is 505-259-8326, NMLS number 214602. Michael Bowen and the Bowen team of Waterstone Mortgage, proud sponsor of the Buck and Dex podcast. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Pure Life. Pure Life is a medical cannabis company, and they are New Mexico's fastest growing medical cannabis company in the state. Right now, they currently have six locations with two more coming this summer. If you happen to be a medical card holder, you're going to want to go with the best. That's why you're going to go with Pure Life. Pure Life has everything that you could possibly think of. They have tinctures, they have pre-rolls. They probably carry more strains than any other dispensary in the state of New Mexico. Their staff is amazing. We actually set up over there a couple of weeks ago and recorded an episode of the podcast. And I have to tell you, just watching their staff interact with the customers and clients that come through there, it was absolutely amazing. A lot of times when you get into retail, you kind of get those people that just don't really seem to give a shit about you. That's not the case at Pure Life. I saw their bud tenders take the time to get to know people, talk to them, consummate professionals, 100%. Check them out online, purelifenm.com for all your medical cannabis needs. The podcast is also brought to you by our friends over at Unleashed Sports Nutrition. They're on the corner of Southern and Unser in Rio Rancho with a new location coming to the Winrock Town Center. Unleashed Sports Nutrition has been super helpful for myself and Dex as well. I've been on this kick since last July, and I just, after having a physical talk to my doctor, he kind of talked to me about nutrition and fitness, and I just kind of had a shift in my mindset, so I started, uh, so I started working out. I knew that I needed something to go along with that. So I called Corey over at Unleashed Sports Nutrition, went and met with him, and he got me set up. He got me on the Intech protein powder. He got me on the post-workout stuff. He got me on some BCAs. I'm telling you, if you take the time and go in there, spend 20 minutes talking with Corey, he will get you set up and get you dialed into a program that you need. Check those guys out. Unleashed Sports Nutrition. They're in the corner of Southern and Unser. Make sure to tell them Buck and Dex sent you so you can get the Buck and Dex podcast deal. Back by popular demand. Come on. It's the worst And now, the moment you've been waiting for. The world famous Buck and Dex show. Here we go. The greatest silver fox that has ever walked this earth is gracing us with his presence. Mr. Chuck Hammond. Hey, guys. How are you, Chuck? I'm great. Good to see you guys. Hair looks beautiful as usual. You know, you know, I've always been jealous of your hair. You're yeah. jealous of everybody's hair. Well, <laughs> Chuck's the most because it's so beautiful, you know, and it's just it's it's gotten a little bit wider. You know, I mean, it's it's silver, but it's man, it's, it's looking well, good. You know, I lost it all at the beginning of last year. Buck told me that and I was I had to catch my breath for a second. I was like, what? I was totally bald and shaved because I went through chemo. And so, I mean, 
12 days after my first chemo, which was my last day at work. <laughs> oh, was it really? Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, 12 days, it all fell out. And then I did five chemo treatments, didn't work. And so <clears throat> my son's wife had been through it. And he said, we got to shave your head every two weeks for six weeks and then let it grow. Yeah. And when I had my hair cut in September for the first time, the gal who's been cutting my hair for years goes, it's thicker, it's curlier, this is great. Yeah, it's back. <laughs> That's great. And whiter. Yeah, so Chuck was, uh, you know, he was our boss uh, for many, many years. How many years were you over at iHeartRadio as the GM? Um, well, I was in that position of market manager, whatever. I had like eight different titles since uh, 2003. Yeah. And yeah. I started with... Trumper, which became Clear Channel, which came on in uh, 99. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we're going to get to all the, you know, us getting let go and stuff here in a little bit. But I really want to talk about, you know, the chemo and stuff. I mean, how was that? I mean, what that kind of been... cancer did you did you have? Or um, did... It, well, I, I was diagnosed in 2002 with prostate cancer. Okay. Had my prostate removed in early 2003. It was so aggressive that uh, the cancer cells got outside the prostate, got into my body. And so then I went through radiation and then all kinds of medication over the years and different shots and this, that, and the other thing. And had had different reaction to everything. And uh, finally, in December of 2018, my oncologist said, we got to do chemo. And Carrie, my wife, sitting there with me, and I go, well, "What about my hair?" <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, Fuck and your she hair. Goes, Who cares? <laughs> she basically said, "Come on, get over it." Uh, and he said, "Okay, well, let's schedule something for January." Well, if we're going to do it, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. And so it was December twenty eighth, which was the last day I was working, and you know that's a screwy week between mm -hmm. Christmas and New Year's. So I'd given all the managers uh, the week off, and I'd be there and. So I went in and made sure everything was set up for a long weekend, went down, had chemo, came back, closed up the office and left the building and uh, didn't think anything of it till 12 days later. I got out of the shower drying my hair and... Oh, wow. Um, but I don't wish chemo on anybody. Yeah. It is awful. Yeah. It just, uh, you know, you just, you don't know how your body's going to react to it. Because remember, they're putting poison in your body. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I play golf with uh, a guy who's a infectious disease doctor and he said they have developed a replacement for chemo and it's in testing right now and it's not pumping poison into your body but i felt i lost all my stamina lost a lot of strength you know i go on a spring golf trip with all my buddies and we went to pinehurst and i could i could barely walk yeah barely hit the golf ball and so uh i'm looking forward to this trip in about a month and a half uh, we're going someplace in florida and so, uh, because I'm back to. Do you feel feel pretty normal I, again? I, I Better? feel great. I, yeah. I, I, Can you I, exercise and all that? I, I exercise. I do a lot of hiking. I play golf, and I'm walking the the golf course now. And uh, you know, I'm in a just finishing a study that I was able to get into. My oncologist got me into, which is pretty dramatic. Every six weeks, I get shot up with this nuclear medicine, mm -hmm. and then I have to sit in this room, and they come in every thirty minutes with a Geiger counter. Seriously? Yeah, really. And oh hold it up gosh. to me. Are they wearing like the big radiation suits? Or? Oh, yeah. well, the, actually, they the, uh, there's two nurses that do it. One is taking research and notes, and she stands outside the room. Yeah. She won't come in the room. But the nuclear medicine nurse has, you know, it's a lead line room, lead line sink, and gives me the injection, and, uh, and then does the Geiger counter. And they all wear these little, like, nameplates, but they have lights on them. 
Mm-hmm. And so if they get to a certain, they're not supposed to be a certain level because they've been exposed to too much. But yeah. when the Geiger counter says I'm at a certain level, then legally they can dismiss me. Wow. And, uh, and then I have to stay away from Carrie for three days. Oh, so I sleep in the second bedroom. And, uh, you know, I said, well, what about the dog? Because you can't keep the dog away. Yeah, you know? yeah. And they say, oh, the dog will be fine. <laughs> and everything's fine. Stay away from the grandchildren for seven days. Yeah. But it's working. Good. Uh, in two weeks, I have my last treatment and we should be Amazing. all said and done. That's great. So yeah. when they originally found it, you said it was 2003? 2002, the end 2002. of 2002. Yeah. Was it just a, a prostate exam that you had where they found it or how and, did it come Annual up? physical. Okay. And if you're over 40. Damn it. Got to have an annual physical because yeah. they're finding it. It's it's a lifestyle cancer. When they gave me the list of things that caused it, I went, uh, check, 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 you know. Uh, but it, uh, so it was just normal course. They did a blood test. The PSA came up. And they did the exam, and uh, my doctor said, okay, you got an appointment with this oncologist, whenever it was, in January. And he did the exam and did the biopsy and did all that, and yep, you got it, and here's your alternatives. And we went through all the alternatives, Carrie and I and the doctor, and we decided that because it was so aggressive, let's do the surgery. I mean, there's all kinds of different things. And so, and now there's, there's even other treatments that are, uh, less than total surgery. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but mine was so aggressive that, and all these medications. So anyway, enough about that. And it's, it's great. Really weakened chemo really weakened your body. Yeah. And your hair's back and it's beautiful. To the point I had blood clots and, uh, I was in the hospital with that blood clots on my lung. And so, but now, I mean, I feel great. Yeah, no, you do. You look good. You I, really I feel do. really good. I'm out exercising. My golf game could be better, but uh, well, that was kind of always the case, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, that's always the case with everybody. Like your golf game can always be better. Exactly, but I mean, I lost, I lost literally ten strokes to my handicap. Wow! In that t- period of time, and now I've got about half of it back, and so it's coming. But it's, uh, you know, I. <clears throat> All my friends and family that put me in their prayers and the support of my family and certainly the support of Carrie, uh, that has so much to do with it. She's a great woman, man. She really is. I'm really lucky. But she, you know, that that kind of support really, really helps in the, uh, you got to be positive when you have something like that. And uh, I'm lucky to be surrounded by a great support group. How's yeah. retirement going? You know? What's that? Retirement. retirement. Oh, How is it? Do you love it? Do you miss work at all? Do you? Not at all. Really? It's funny, about a month after uh, I was done there, and of course, I'm now bald, and I met uh, Dennis Loxton, a friend of ours, a client and everything, a friend of mine, uh, at Nick and Jimmy's for lunch. So I'm walking in, and Joe O'Neill, you know Joe, yeah. he's out in front, and he's got his suit on, and he's on the phone, screaming about this, that, and the other thing. And I wave, and he didn't recognize me at first. He goes, oh, wait, wait, wait. Gets off the phone and said, don't you miss us? I said, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was ready and he just, was always kind of like a high strung dude though. Well, he, he is. That's, that's his person. And that's not you. You've no. never really been that way. No, yeah. And then what just happened recently with the more layoffs. Yeah. Um, and I talked to, you know, Marianne and Gallup and talked to Hope and Tony and all that. And, and I'm like, I just, I phew, don't miss it. Yeah. yeah. Don't miss it. I'm, I love, I love the radio business. Sure. And what I loved about it was the people and, uh, 
you know, sometimes when you're with a big corporation like that, uh, they lose sight of people. And they lose sight of, first of all, the reason we have a federal license is to serve our community. Mm -hmm. And one thing that when you lose people, it's harder to serve that local community. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we've been talking about that for yeah, sure. Yeah, it, it, it takes takes people to do it. And so, you know, when we moved from that cramped San Pedro building up to the be- beautiful Taj Mahal, uh, we had 94 full-time employees Jeez. and then tons of part-timers and when i left we had 46 full-time employees wow, wow. so less than half yeah yeah and you know how we demise that space a couple times yeah and, um but it's uh you know that's what's happening in the industry and it's technology yeah. i mean look at what we're doing right here yeah oh yeah i mean here's good quality radio broadcast yeah and yeah. We're in your basement. We're in my basement. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's funny. When I went over to uh I was I was doing uh I was doing nights over at Coyote just for like a, a short spell and somebody over there kept talking to me about buying a radio station. They're like, Why don't you just buy like a translator and just start a radio station? It's like I don't think I want to do that. Yeah. It's <laughs> you know, because a lot of work, it's a lot like of stress. We can you know, we can spend a couple thousand bucks and do this out of my basement and it sound just as great as being on the air Yeah, and we can actually reach more people. And, you know, Buck and I were lucky enough to be on the air for so long that we have a following and we also have lots of uh, relationships with businesses because when we first launched this, it was like... People were coming to it. Yeah, they were like, oh my gosh, you know, when can we, you know, advertise, you know, we're just like, okay, let's do this, you know, it was... Now it's about inventory control. Yeah. <laughs> it's, about, right. it's about how much can we take, you know, and we're kind yeah. of capped at what we can yeah. take at this point, right? you know, so... Yeah. Well, you know, that it, it, um, I tried to buy a radio station uh, in, what was it, 1990, uh, and uh, it was a heck of a deal, Yeah, and I just couldn't get the deal done. Because the guy I was buying it from had a deal done with somebody else yeah. on the side that I didn't know about. He was leveraging you to probably, yeah. yeah. And it's such a, a positive cash flowing business. Mm-hmm. The margins are gigantic yeah. by normal standards. And, uh, you know, so it, it was certainly in the 90s before consolidation. Yeah. Buying a single radio station <clears throat> could be very profitable. Yeah. But then with the 1996 Telecommunications Act, when they... Dropped a lot of regulations, and and that the 1996 Telecommunications Act. I, I read it, got it online. It's about that thick, yeah. And because it's not just radio, not just TV, it's a lot of other you know, cell phones and internet, just yeah. all kinds of crazy yeah. stuff. So when they did that, then you had the big players come in, and now you can have seven, eight stations in a marketplace, and the economies of scale kick in, and uh, it, it's a totally different business when I first got into it, yeah. In the mid seventies, yeah. Where do you see uh, iHeart going right now? You know, we were we were actually yeah we were talking yesterday. We had um, Full Metal Jackie on. She's a nationally syndicated radio host. She works for a record label, manages some bands, and you know people keep asking the question. Like Dex was asking yesterday, he's like, "What do you think is going to happen with radio? You know, is it ever going to go away? Is it going to do this? Is it going to do that?" And and my thought personally is that. Radio's never going to go away. It's always going to be here. It's always going to be here. It's just going to be different. Well, it's so different today than it was 
when you guys first started doing it. Oh, uh, yeah. But yes, you're right. Local radio will always be around because you need to serve the local community. And, you know, I speak to college classes all the time and they're like, well, I don't listen to local radio. <laughs> and I have so much fun doing this because I'm going to go, uh, and they're all not in their head. You know, I'm Spotify or yeah. whatever. Uh, I listen to podcasts. YouTube. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I said, has anybody ever won tickets listening to, you know, some of your radio? And all the hands go up. Yeah. And these are college students. So I'll say, well, pick one out. What'd you win? Well, I won these tickets from The Edge. And he goes like this, The Edge. You know, like, didn't want to admit it, but yeah. 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 Because we serve the local community. Now, people listening don't realize that a lot of those people on the air are from Denver or Florida or wherever. Right. But you're still giving local information, you know, weather, news, traffic. Uh, when concerts are coming, how you can win tickets and all that kind of stuff. And it serves the local community. And that's why local radio will always be around. But mm -hmm. it's going to be different. Yeah. Uh, I think <laughs> over at iHeart now, they have two live morning shows. And that's the only live programming right. they have. Right? It is. Yeah. And there's eight radio stations over yeah. there. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. technology. I remember when... Um, the country station, Tony left and everything. And, and I was working with the juvenile diabetes organization and Tony had always emceed their, their banquet. And she called me and said, well, you know, no, Tony's not there anymore, but uh, can we have, can Billy come and emcee it? And I said, well, Billy was out of St. Louis. Yeah. And I said, well, I'll see if Billy's available and come into town for that. She goes, what do you mean? <laughs> so, well, he's no out idea. of St. Louis. Here, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they don't realize that. Yeah. Because we sound so local and everything, yeah. yeah. So I, I, you're right; it's going to be around. It's just going to be just be a little different. You just it, you can't seem to replace you know that connection. You know, like you said, there's two live morning shows now at iHeart, and that connection is huge with the listeners. You know, taking phone calls and now texting and you know social media. You take that away, and then you have somebody from Denver piped in. Not taking phone calls, not connecting, not being able to go out and do a live broadcast down at McDonald's or wherever. Man, that's, you can't replace that. That's huge. And I feel like that's where it needs to go back to if it's going to continue to. You're right. It's probably always going to be there. But as far as that connection, it sucks. It's not there anymore. It's different. You know, well, it's, and it's all, sad. It's all high finance. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when, when iHeart uh, got in. $20 billion worth of debt when uh, Clear Channel sold uh, from the Mays family to uh, a public company. And it became clear, it was still Clear Channel, then became iHeart. But there were $20 billion worth of debt. Yeah. And so they filed Chapter 11 or whatever, 7, whatever one it is, and for reorganization to protect because they were paying so much in interest on that debt. So they reorganized that debt. While they were in bankruptcy, when they came out of bankruptcy, they only had $6 billion worth of debt. And you talk to, which I have, which uh, Bob Pittman and Rich Bressler, those top guys, and they just talk, you know, finance. And yeah. They're like, it's good to have debt, mm. you know? Yeah, it's uh, not $20 billion worth of debt. <laughs> right. oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so they come out of bankruptcy and Liberty Media buys a big portion of it. And uh, <laughs> Liberty Media is a giant cable company. And they come in and say, you know, we can we can run this with a lot less people because of technology. And then a thousand people lose their job in a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, nationwide. And that's, uh, you know, and, and yeah, you can do that. But look what's happened to the Farmington stations. 
I, mean, well, I, don't, I don't know what there's happened. There's five stations up there with three people, oh, wow. five people, <laughs> in a big, big building that the yeah. company owns, and it's an awful building. But uh, Every commercial you hear in Farmington is the, the same three people? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I used to laugh when I drove to Denver and I listened to Raton Radio, and every commercial is yeah. the same guy. <laughs> exactly. That's well, the way it was in Montana. When I used to be a production director in Montana, I worked for five stations, and I was it. And then I was trying to find somebody. Hey, can you come in? Can this salesperson come in and record this? Yeah. I need a voice because I'm on every station. Right. It's yeah. crazy. So I know how that feels. Well, and when you're with a big company like iHeart, the, the production people have the ability to put it up on the web. Yeah. Where, so someone in Springfield, Missouri picks it up. So I'll, I'll cut this spot. Yeah. And so you do get the diversity of voices. But, uh, and so, so that technology helps from that standpoint. But, you know, it, it, it impacted a lot of people's lives. And, uh, and that's the part I didn't like about my job. Is, but that was my job, is to protect the resources and protect <clears throat> the license and, uh, you know, uh, play the company game. And, and I fought it sometimes uh, with success and sometimes without success. Uh, they have had... Different people they wanted me to cut. And I said, oh, no. That's... And I remember saying to the president of the radio division, and I was in Las Vegas for an awards show, and he was there, and we sat down at lunch together, and and he'd never had, <laughs> president of the radio division, 850-plus radio stations, his only radio job had been KISS FM in LA, which is the biggest radio station in America. Yeah. So what's the reality? <laughs> Yeah. And he said, well, we got to make that cut there. And I said, let me ask you something. If you were to walk down the hall, how many of your building, how many people would you pass that you do not know? I said, well, there's, there's, there's a few. I said, okay, so here's what you're going to do. You're going to walk down. First person you see that you don't know, you're going to lay them off so we can keep this guy. And that person you're going to lay off is probably making three times what he is. Yeah. And Greg, Greg looked at me and went, you make a good point. I don't know that I'll do that, but it saved the guy's job yeah. till just recently. But um, you know, it's it's the battle you do when you want to play in corporate America. Yeah. yeah, and you know, there's some benefits. The company was great to me. I mean, I retired, and Carrie and I are in great shape financially. We can do whatever we want to do. Is Carrie and, is she still selling over there? Oh or no, she, she retired, retired six months before me. She did okay. Yeah. That's great. And good. she's six years younger than me. Wow. Good for her, man. She's That's out awesome. riding her horses. Good. Taking care of her horses. Yeah. You know, uh, it, what's interesting about that is that the, the horses are in the South Valley at her mom and dad's place where they both passed away. And when her mom passed away, she, in her will, gave the property, it's almost two acres, uh, to all four siblings. Well, Carrie's the only one that deals with the horses down there. It's her mom's and, and Carrie's hobby so <clears throat> we just recently bought the property from all the siblings and got a great deal so carrie was down to one show horse and one retired horse oh we had another horse delivered monday night so yeah. she's got two show horses. <laughs> that's awesome good for her and she wants to tell me that that's cheaper than my golf <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, you do golf know. a lot, Chuck. You know. Well, but you know, I belong to the club, so I can golf all I want. Well, that's expensive. You know, how much is that membership a month? Let's not talk about that. <laughs> You're still ACC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, when you get ready to retire, we we consolidated 
we got rid of all debt. Yeah. And then we did things like, uh, you know, we're getting two Starbucks every day. And that's $12.68 yeah. or whatever it is. We had a perfectly good espresso maker sitting at home. <laughs> so we vowed that we would make our own, which we do. Yeah. And that saved it's like $3,600 a year or something. Yeah. Uh, we got rid of our maid. And so we cleaned the house together. Yeah. Take a couple hours. We do it once a week. We did that. We had a lawn service, a guy we had forever. And uh, he got very, very ill and passed away. And so his son was was doing it. And his son uh, was more interested in rolling his own than cutting my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sitting in the back patio last summer going... You know, I used to cut this myself. Yeah. I got a lawnmower. Right, yeah. So we went and got the lawnmower out. And we had to put a new carburetor on it, which Carrie did. And so I cut my own lawn. So we got rid of that. That saved us a bunch of money every month. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a storage unit we had. I had my textbooks from when I got my master's in 1978. Do you think those textbooks have any relevancy today? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's man, I'm always talking to Sarah about I'm I'm tired of like moving her old books and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I've got boxes of books out in the garage that's like, why do we have these? Right. You know, we don't have bookshelves for them, you know. We're never going to look at them again. Just donate them, do something yeah. with them, you know. Well, it's that what's that gal's name, Maria Como? Is that it? That, yeah. that, that Well, we did that too. Once I retired, it's one of the things we did. So hey, I went the through. The girl from Netflix, is that what you're talking yeah. about? Okay, yeah. So I, you know, you, you take like, you go through my golf shirts and I go, okay, well, I've worn this in a while. And you say, thank you. And you fold it up and <laughs> put it in a pile to take to Goodwill or Boys and Girls Club or whatever. So we did that to everything but my one closet with all my custom suits and shirts and everything in it. That's still the yeah. same as it was. You're but holding on to that. We got rid of a lot of stuff. Yeah. Just tons of stuff, especially Carrie. I mean, you know, but, uh, it's good to purge that. And we did our, our storage unit and, yeah. you know, found stuff in there. I'm like, I haven't seen this thing in 20 years. Why yeah. do I keep it? You know? Yeah. That's why when I do garage stuff, I don't even talk to Sarah about it because she'll see something and, and tell me, she, oh, we need to save that. It's a, you haven't seen that for six years. Why do we need to save that? You know, you've got a shelf up here for Christmas stuff. That's all you need. Yeah. Let's get rid of it. Simplify. Yeah. Got to simplify. That, we, we moved the Christmas stuff from the storage unit and found room in our garage once yeah. we got rid of, we have a closet there and more than one, several closets with Carrie's clothes. Well, we got rid of all that. Got rid of our ski clothes because we quit skiing about five, six years ago when both our knees quit <laughs> quit skiing. You know? Yeah. But it's, uh, so it was good to get that done and uh, I don't know. Making you my sidekick was the biggest mistake of my life. Can you two please put your petty differences aside and behave like adults? We may not always get along. Go to hell, fathead! I'm very proud of myself. There's nothing special about you get over yourself. Just leave the room, please. What the hell is wrong with you? Can we all just get along? Come on, people. Please don't do this. Just please. The podcast is brought to you by Michael Bowen and the Bowen team of Waterstone Mortgage. You gotta call Michael Bowen if you're thinking about possibly buying a house this year or maybe even refining. The rates have just dropped. The coronavirus is freaking people out and rates are down. You got to give Michael a call. His phone number is 505-259-8326, 505-259-8326. He can answer any questions that you might possibly have about 
anything related to mortgages. This guy is a super genius when it comes to mortgages. He's in the President's Club. He's a platinum producer with his company. He's been doing it for a long time, and he's really good at what he does. As a real estate agent, I use Michael Bowen. I refer my clients, I should say, to Michael Bowen all the time because I know if I do, they're going to be in good hands. Give Michael a call today. His phone number is 505-259-8326, NMLS number 214602. Michael Bowen and the Bowen team of Waterstone Mortgage, proud sponsor of the Buck Index podcast. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Pure Life. Pure Life is a medical cannabis company, and they are New Mexico's fastest growing medical cannabis company in the state. Right now, they currently have six locations with two more coming this summer. If you happen to be a medical card holder, you're going to want to go with the best. That's why you're going to go with Pure Life. Pure Life has everything that you could possibly think of. They have tinctures, they have pre-rolls. They probably carry more strains than any other dispensary in the state of New Mexico. Their staff is amazing. We actually set up over there a couple of weeks ago and recorded an episode of the podcast. And I have to tell you, just watching their staff interact with the customers and clients that come through there, it was absolutely amazing. A lot of times when you get into retail, you kind of get those people that just don't really seem to give a shit about you. That's not the case at Pure Life. I saw their bud tenders take the time to get to know people, talk to them, consummate professionals, 100%. Check them out online, purelifenm.com for all your medical cannabis needs. The following program contains material not suitable for children. There is absolutely nothing inappropriate about my program. Today's show is for adults only. It's got a little bit of a zing to it. Due to the graphic nature of today's show, parental guidance is strongly suggested. This is not a kid's environment. Clean up your act. But the hardest part about retirement is trying to remember what day it is. Oh, I bet. Yeah, right? Oh, yeah. It's like... Uh... that's a, You know what? I guess that's what I'm kind of scared about. When I think about retiring, I it gives me anxiety because I want to I wanna always have something to do. You know, you do have to have the hobby. You know, you have golf and, you know, you're finding yard work to do now and you're cleaning the house. You know, you got to find those things. And I just remember my grandparents when, you know, I was a little kid, they watched me, you know, they, they, they were responsible for raising me most of the time. And, and they just sat on the couch and watched TV and drank coffee all day. And it was just like, man, that's all you do. It sounds cool. But at the same time, as I got older, I'm going kind of just like waiting to die. Yeah. 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 Go do <laughs> well, you know, we got six grandchildren. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, three here, two in Taos, one in Denver. And we have our motorhome. Yeah. And so we, especially in the summer and the spring, uh, during the winter, we don't take it out, but you know, we'll go, we'll drive to Denver and we'll, yeah. we'll but we have friends there in the horse business and we'll park our motorhome on their property and yeah. we tow our Jeep and then we go see the grandkids. See, that's exciting. That's what I want. I want to get an RV and just go, you know, just travel. Well, you were living in a camper for a while. I was, I'm used to it, you know? I, I could, man. I could live in one of those things, you know? Easy. Well, we, we've got a very nice one, and we go to the Balloon Fiesta for the last weekend every year. Nice. Yeah. And that is a hoot. Yeah. You know, I got, I got very cynical about the Balloon Fiesta. Uh, I remember the first year I was here, I went to it, and like I ran across those pictures. You know how many pictures? You, that's when we were, had film developed. Yeah. I can't believe how many pictures I have of balloons taking off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that looks really different than that one. <laughs> but now when you see it through the eyes of your grandchildren. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally different. It, it really yeah. is. <laughs> no. And, and then we go up to Durango when we have a place we like to camp up there. And then uh, 
two of our kids are actively in softball, competitive softball. So we'll go take care of the granddaughters yeah. while they're playing and they have their own RV. And it just, you know, so it's, it's, it, someone said to me about retirement, Lee, remember Lee Larson? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He's the guy who promoted me, right? Yeah. And so he came through a few years ago and we're talking, he's retired. We're talking retirement. He goes, he goes, and he always calls me Charles. And he said, Charles, I learned that three days of golf a week is enough. And he's right, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he said, but you got to have a purpose when you retire. And that purpose can be, you can get involved in the community uh, and or whatever. And our purpose is really our grandkids, yeah. Carrie's horses, my golf. I, I read a lot of books because I love to do that. Uh, and then travel. And the travel is not getting on a plane and going overseas, but getting our motor home and right. take off. Yeah. Yeah, something to look forward to all the time, you know. Oh, we got a trip coming up to wherever. Yeah. You know, you have to have that. It's important. Yeah, and you know, do we sit and watch TV some? Well, Sure. Of course. Yeah, I mean, there's a great golf tournament on, starts today. Uh, In fact, I was watching it before I came over here. You know, so I'll watch some of that. And uh, we also love to cook. So, you know, we look at a lot of cooking shows and then we'll experiment with cooking. In fact, the other night we did something. Or I did something, and it was one of those where we took two bites, and I grabbed the recipe and threw it away. <laughs> it <was> awful. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> but most of the time, it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So we, I, we got a message the other day, and it was, uh, "Hey, you guys should uh, play a drinking game. Every time you guys talk about getting fired, you should take a shot." <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know what? That would we would be wasted, you know, because you know that. That's one thing I guess we do bring up quite a bit, you know, is... So we kind of have this... Dex always kind of says, you know, I'm the one that got us fired. And then it's kind of a running joke that we have. Yeah. And I always say that Dex is the one that got us fired for the time that he spazzed out on Baxter. And it was just like the residual of that. (laughs) (laughs) But now we're just kind of wondering, like, you know, when, when I had talked to you, you know, I was like, hey, I want you to come on. I think it'd be kind of funny. You're the guy that fired us. You know, so now... I guess we just, you know, because when you came in, so, I mean, obviously you're a human being, you have feelings just like everybody else, you know, I don't think that you enjoy that type of thing. You know, I could tell by the look on your face that day that you were a little bit uncomfortable. Um, But, you know, Jackie, uh, we're doing this now, we're having people, I totally stole this from Rockline too. This is like how long ago I'm thinking about this question, but um, I'm having our guest leave a question for another guest. And her question for you was like, how does that make you feel when you hand those people that manila envelope, knowing that you're going to basically turn their lives upside down that day? That was her question for you. Well, it's, it's, it's a terrible feeling. Yeah. Uh, but it's my job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And my job, one of my jobs is to manage resources and resources are money and people. Yeah. That's big, especially in our business. Yeah. You know, our inventory disappears every day and we get new inventory every day. Yeah. It's not like, and I try to, you know, I I got my master's degree in business and so I have all these inventory management things and try to put a value on unused inventory. Mm -hmm. That's hard to do. But anyway, so managing the resources and you got to look at what are the ratings, what are the revenues and uh, where's that going? And, you know, at that time, alternative radio was going through, alternative music was going through a big transition. Yeah. You know, when you consider that uh, 
back when you first started on, you know, you had Nirvana and I mean, you even had Smash Mouth, I think you were playing, which... Uh, yeah, no, I started at Station in 94. That's when I first started with The Edge. So, I mean, that was the heyday of... That was the heyday of alternative reading. Yeah. And so, you know, you Hootie, and, Hootie and the Blowfish. Yeah, I like played them. Uh, and so that... that And into the Cookie Monster and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff and the, the Great Edge Fests we had. Uh, and because it was going through this transition, ratings were becoming very, very difficult. Yeah. But we still had a lot of expense and every time we'd sit down and evaluate it whether corporate was in town or not but i'd sit down and evaluate it with the business department with the sales department with the programming department we have to make decisions that are hard yeah and that was that was a very difficult decision because you know you guys had a huge following believe me I learned that week what a huge following you had. <laughs> yeah, we had just won the best of the city or something yeah, like right? that for the alibi yeah. or something like that, like the week before. Yeah. <laughs> well, what was what was crazy is that, you know, the stuff on social media, I mean, I got texts and emails and <laughs> that were yeah. crazy. And then somebody copied Bob Pittman on one of those emails. <laughs> oh my gosh. By the way, Bob Pittman's chairman of the company you know, <laughs> in New York City. Did he respond? I got his head of security response. <laughs> oh, what was it? Was it and a the guy email? calls me and said, there's going to be a protest tomorrow. And, and I said, well, you need me to send people? I said, no, first of all, if people are outside this building protesting, I'm not going out and talking to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why, why would I do that? Plus, this is private property. Yeah. We don't own it. Uh, the owners have security. Yeah. And we've talked to them and they'll be available to be wandering around. And, you know, and there were a lot of threats of protests and everything, and and then there was the TV interview, and uh, which was very interesting how that came about. Uh, I found out about the TV interview or the promo that the TV station was running with you two guys on it. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to give you the real story tomorrow, whatever it was. And I got a call from the my buddy, the GM of the station, and he said, "Has anybody here called you about an interview?" I said, "No." Would you be interviewed? I said, yeah, but limited. Sure. You know. And as it turns out, the guy who was the cameraman with the news lady was the guy who set it all up. A buddy of yours. Was it really? I, oh, I didn't know. I didn't. I don't know. I, they contacted you to do it. Yeah, right? it was the, and I'm pretty sure it was the news lady who contacted me. I don't remember her name, but she contacted me and was like, Hey, I, you know, with all the, the social media blowing up, I really, we want to do a story. This is huge. Would you guys be interested? And I'm like, well, it was yeah. this cameraman that put them all up. He was the one who did. Okay. All right, maybe yeah. he was just a listener. And that was, you know, and so, you know, I, I was as tight mouth as I could be. She was a good interviewer. Yeah. She probably got more out on me than I should have said. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's business. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not personal. It's business because it was personal. There'd be a lot of other people that wouldn't be there. But anyway, no, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's tough because, you know, we got along great. Yeah. You guys were good to me. And yeah. I hopefully thought of, until that moment, I was good to you guys. Absolutely. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's the nature of the business. When the, in 2009, when I went to uh, meetings in Dallas, now when we used to go to corporate manager meetings, We'd get to our room and we'd find a gift on our pillow and it'd be great. Like one year it was wireless headphones, you know, and an iPod 
and just stuff like that. So this, we went to Dallas for these meetings and nothing on the pillow when I checked in. And we were told to bring our laptops to the meeting. And when we checked in at the actually the, the conference oh, center. Oh, is that the thumb drive day? Yeah. Oh, they, that was the big day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We <laughs> checked in, and they, the first thing they asked is, when is your return flight? Because the president of the company, John Hogan at the time, hated it when he was doing his farewell, thanks for coming speech, and it was half a room because everybody already got, took off for their flights. Right. Well, he didn't want anybody leaving until he was done. Yeah. And they gave us a thumb drive. Yeah. So we're all sitting down to lunch, and I remember... Pam, who ran Austin, had her laptop open, had the thumb drive, and she said, this darn thing is, is password protected. Uh. And we got into the meetings, and then we broke up in the, uh, in the individual markets, and they gave us the password protected for the first group. <clears throat> and I remember it was the promotions department. Yeah. And uh, I'm looking through it, and you know now Bain & Company, which is the consulting company, uh, they have all these guys, and they, they're like, well, these guys all have MBAs from Cornell and Harvard and Yale and blah, 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 blah. And uh, so I looked at this, people they wanted to get rid of in the promotions department, and it was all the part-timers. And I'm like, uh, so I called the guy over. These are all part-timers. Most of that money they're getting paid came from talent fees yeah. from remotes and <clears throat> special events that the clients pay. Yeah, it's not hard money coming out of affecting yeah. the bottom line. Right. And the guy goes, oh, well, I didn't know that. And I said, well, maybe I didn't learn something about our business. Yeah. Jeez. And he yeah. goes, well, you know, I've got an MBA. I said, yeah, dude, I have one too. So don't, don't <laughs> worry about it. But there were a couple things on there. And uh, so I said to, when I got to the individual meeting with my boss, I said, dude, these are all, the only promotion person, the promotion assistant they're going to keep was Oreo. Yeah. He was the only one because they said to me when they, they called me right before all did all the layoff stuff, I was home now, and they wanted to know that, uh, is, is Oreo an Hispanic? I said, I'm not really sure, but I think that's Italian. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and they go, oh, and you know, just all this stuff. So, so if he was Hispanic, he would have, you know. He well, yeah. But he, so he my boss it. says, okay, get rid of all those people. So we, we got rid of, we laid off all the part-timers, and they got severance. Did they really? Yeah, I never heard of that. Wow. In fact, one of them, I can't remember who it was. He was going to USC, and he came back at Christmas, and he said, hey, because he got a letter from me with a check while he was at school <laughs> saying, you're laid off. Here's 1200 bucks or whatever. <laughs> Good for and him. And he came back and said, look what I bought. I bought this phone on my severance money. <laughs> but, uh, so, but my, my boss at the time, and he said, just let all those people go, wait 30 days, and hire them back. Oh wow! And that's what I did. Yeah, and uh, but there were some other. There were there, that was the day. That was the big one, right? That was. Or four, that, was that the second one? His first one was fourteen people. Yeah, and both <clears throat> both sales and programming and business, and uh, I'm not bragging on this, but it was fourteen people in an hour and twenty minutes. Wow! Yeah. Now in some markets, <laughs> the GM would get on the PA system and go. Hey John, come to the GM's office. Oh yeah, gosh. I heard. I it's actually like a walk of death. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I geez. actually heard stories about that, and I remember when that day happened. I remember Benny was freaking out. There was a guy that worked at the station named Benny, and he was like, he looked like a crackhead the way he was like oh, peeking yeah. out windows. He's like, they're walking down the hall, and it's like, well, 
This is if it's gonna happen. Yeah, it's Buck gonna and happen. I would sit in the studio and we could we could peek through the door window and we'd see you guys just with them. You and Pam walking up and down, with and we'd just envelopes. be sitting there waiting, like okay. And then all of a sudden, ten minutes would go by and be like, I think we're okay. I think we're okay. with my Manila envelope. Yeah, yeah. with yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, because the day I walked into the studio and saw you in there and the manila envelopes were there, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> One of the sales ladies, uh, and what I did is I went over to the sales side and to the sales manager's office and brought brought one of the sales ladies in and went through. You heard the speech. It's all yeah. of about 27 seconds, you know. And she said, well, I got a bunch of questions at my desk. I want to go. I said, no. Numbers on the... There's an 800 number in the envelope. That's it. That's it. And, uh, you know, if you have any medication, get your purse, your car keys, and yeah, see ya. But it's uh, it's not a pleasant thing. Yeah. No. Uh, I didn't feel good about it. When I got back from... And, and what compounded for me, and poor me, I'm not I'm the one laying all these people off. I still got a job. Uh, but uh, is that my wife was in the business yeah. and worked in the building. And I came back, and I couldn't tell her. You know, everybody thinks Carrie knew all the inside stuff. She yeah, didn't. Right. First of all, it wasn't fair to her. Yeah. To put, hey, I'm going to yeah. see all these people. They're going to be gone in five days. Right. <laughs> Have a nice day. You know? Yeah. Um, but she knew something was wrong just by my attitude. Yeah. And uh, it just, it, I finally, you know, after that day was done, I was, just, I was just like, I was exhausted. I bet. And, but 14 people didn't have jobs. Yeah. And I did. And then I got promoted. Yeah. Or I got another job title change and yeah. erased. I'm like, this is something really wrong with this. <laughs> yeah. Right. You, you know, you, you see a lot of that stuff. I mean, you know, these, these, you know, like during the bailouts and stuff, you know, you hear about all these CEOs that are getting these, like, oh. yeah, a third of the company has been laid off, you know, in the past three months. And, oh, here's a $35 million bonus for you, you know, and it's just like, that's not, that's well, Bob Pittman makes $14 million a year. <clears throat> yeah. That's his salary. Yeah. Yeah. That's not the bonuses. That's, you know. Yeah. And he's had his own boat and plane. And, yeah. and I mean, just that's a whole different level of stuff. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, but that, you know, we had great benefits. In fact, retiring, that was one of my hardest things. Two things was one, setting up my home office. Because I was when I had IT stuff, I'd just go. You called Jeremy, and he would Jeremy come, over come to and, Chuck's office. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Well, I called Jeremy. I said, "Come to Chuck's house." Yeah. And he got me all set up, and we paid him for that, and and fed it. We always fed him whenever he came over. Uh, but uh, and then healthcare. Yeah. Because we'd always get that email from corporate, and if you want to keep the same thing, press this button. Bing, done. Yeah. And I had to. I signed up for Medicare. I was 69 when I retired. I was signed up for um, Social Security at 66. And there's some math issues with that. I'm going to it. But anyway, so I had Medicare A, which is nothing really. So when I went to sign up for Medicare B, which when you retire, you need that because it's good, good health care. Well, since I'd done A online, I had to go downtown to Social Security to do your to do Medicare violence, B. Yeah. You ever been down there? Oh, it's oh, a yeah. shit show down there. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. I was there for wow. three hours. <clears throat> yeah. And when I finally got in front of somebody, I was gone in less than 20 minutes, all signed up, ready to go. Yeah. But I'm like, I've done, where do these people come from? Yeah. Am I the only <laughs> decent looking person in the place? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
and humble too. I mean, dressed like I am today, I would have been still the best dressed person there. Uh, but it was just that was crazy. So so those two things were the hardest part. Yeah. And now that I'm signed up and I got some supplemental from Presbyterian and and all that, it's uh, and it's great coverage. Even with all the health issues I've been through, it's been it's been great coverage. And so once I got all this set up, it was like, okay, now I'm, yeah. I'm okay to move ahead and yeah. do everything. But, uh, you know, retirement's great because I can, you know, if I just want to go down and hit golf balls, I can do it. If I want to go hang out at the club, if I want to go down and hang out at the farm, which I'll be doing a lot more of, is we're, we're going to build uh, housing for both our RV and our kids' RV because we pay to store it right now. But uh, it's just... What do you want to do? I, whatever I want to do. Yeah. You know, I go to the bookstore and hang out there, go get a cup of coffee and sit in the bookstore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds great, man. It really does. But it's uh, just to kind of put a cap on the, the whole uh, reduction in force. Yeah, that's what they call it, the reduction. Yeah, it's force. a reduction in force because you weren't replaced. Yeah. See? Mm-hmm. So you weren't fired. We were replaced. Wow. No, you weren't. Oh, I guess we weren't no, because yeah, Baxter because and Janae Baxter Janae slid into the morning. So house, yeah. if you before you get on the air more and talk about being fired, you weren't. You were rift. Well, it Reduction sure fucking of- felt like we were fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know that day when and I big shout out to Tony Monero because class act right there, man. This guy he walked us out. And just said the best stuff to us, you know, just tried to encourage us. And, and then never and, called uh, us. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> well, I wasn't supposed to. Just kidding. To. Yeah. He, he, no, he, he, he was fine. I mean, the training, <clears throat> the training that we went through was it's pretty intense. They had these HR people in Dallas, and they go, you, can, you can't say this, you can't say that, yeah. you know, none of this stuff. And so it's just because, like you said before we went on, how litigious everything is now. Yeah. Yeah, and when you're a big company like that, it's just a big target. And uh, so, if you say "I'm sorry," someone could turn that around to say, "Well, you really didn't mean to do it." Yeah. So I'm going to sue you for. Yeah, I figured there was probably some type of training that went into it because I mean, even like the old Clear Channel Handbook had like directions for a program director, like you know. If you have a chance to urinate during the day, do it. I mean, it's it's ridiculous stuff like that. But I mean, I figured there was probably a path Protocol. that you were directed to go down when you had to do that stuff. Oh, and then they're while well, they're doing all this thing at corporate, and then I'd get it. Literally, they the only time they call me was when I'm, when I was on the golf course. Yeah, and they'd say, "Okay, do you realize in this department you're letting a woman, a Hispanic woman who's 45, go, but you're keeping a 36 year old Caucasian woman?" I went, "Okay." Never crossed my mind. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, but, you know, it's like when the Oreo, he's Hispanic, right? <laughs> In other words, we want that check mark. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's uh, it, it's tough. But Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, we, we had a good run, you know. Uh, I think it kind of hit me maybe a week or two after we got fired because that had been the first time I'd been fired, you know, or I guess let go. Is that what you were? Rift. Rift. Reduction rift. in force. Thank rift. You. Rift. And uh, so I was dealing with those emotions, but um, I kept looking back going, man, we, we lasted a lot longer so, than we thought we would. So you know? let's ask this question because we always kind of have this idea that we probably almost got fired 
before that for things that we did. <laughs> you know? The whole mace thing? Well, <laughs> Thank you. That, that was his that, idea. Yeah, yep. that, that, that might be one. That was probably pretty and close. And Buck goes, but they signed a release. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, where'd you get the release? <laughs> On the internet? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that, was, that was crazy. I remember coming in, you were set up outside yeah. with the mouse traps. What's going on? And I, one of the promotion <laughs> people said, I was inside, and they said, well, if they don't make it through, they get maced. <laughs> Hang on. I'll Is that your heart that monitor? No. Uh, but uh, and they're going to mace them. I'm like, oh, yeah, right, okay. And then all of a sudden, here's this guy and this gal coming in going, ah. <laughs> <laughs> We had the co- we had an ambulance come yeah. for the gal. Yeah, I turned out uh, well. The, the girl didn't take her uh, her uh, anti anxiety medicine that morning. She said, and so she had a panic attack. Yeah, she did. Uh-huh. And so she, they had to call nine one one. And then I got a picture later on that day from that girl, <laughs> and they, she was in the hospital with tubes in her eyes. And I'm like, we're done. She had like these we're contact, dead. She had we're like fired. these contact lens thing on that had like tubes going on oh. that just kept like constantly flushing yeah. her eyes. Oh no! But the, here's the best part. We did talk about firing you guys that. <clears throat> Yeah. About four or five days later, you guys came to me because I said, hey, before you do a stunt, please fill me in on it. You know, you came to me and said, we got the Rattlesnake Museum coming in. <laughs> and we've got an intern who's already signed off on this and will be have the medics there with an antidote. But he's going to get a rattlesnake bite and we'll see how he reacts. And we'll be there. <laughs> and I said, what? <laughs> I forgot about that. What are you guys oh. talking about? I, t- I love telling this story to everybody. <laughs> yeah. And what ended up is they came in, but they brought their, their boa constrictor and their python. Oh, yeah. They brought that 25-foot boa constrictor. And the thing is the, oh, the my albino one. Yeah. And it's going down the hall with that big hall. Yeah. And I can't remember who came out of the ladies' room and saw that thing right there. Oh, my <laughs> God. that hard <laughs> We had one of the snakes bite the uh, Dilbert too. You yeah, know? it wasn't poisonous. But no, it wasn't poisonous. We had him, but we had him bite. Bit. It, yeah, but I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> you guys want to do what? Were we the biggest handful that you guys that you ever had personally as a general manager? Um, I'd have to think long and hard. You'd be up in the top two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of people think that TJ was a handful. He wasn't. No, he's really laid back. He's a pro. He knows what he's yeah. doing. And you guys are pros, but you were alternative and trying to keep that going and i had just, to learn a lot of lessons too and you gave us a lot of grace too i mean you could have fired us many times and you didn't well but what you were doing was relating to your audience yeah who loved it when you did the p was it a ps2 or something that you ran over oh the ps steamroller yeah steamrolled it yeah good morning america that was our good morning america that was moment. great yeah that was a great stunt Ooh, the chopping of the finger that, oh, was, that was the best. Yeah. That was the best one. That was the best. Yeah. When that whole thing came down, and you guys told me about it ahead of time. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, so I listened, and it sounded so real. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. And then I get a call from the TV station. <laughs> this is even better. We were a top story. Because I, I was not... Oh, <clears throat> let me tell you the rest of the story. I think I probably did. But so anyway, they call me, and I'm not going to lie to the media. Yeah. And she said, well, we, I said, well, no, they didn't chop off a finger. Well... I want to come talk to him. I said, okay. So you guys had to come back, I think. Yeah, we did. For the interview, and we we played it back, and the cameraman had heard it live. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even when I heard it played back, I went, oh, 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. The sound effects. Of the that thing. crunch was just perfect. Frozen chicken bone, and, baby. Yeah. And your interview for TV was great because it's like, well, tune in tomorrow and find out what's going on. Yeah. And uh, so <laughs> two days later, I'm playing golf. And one of the guys I play golf with is Mike Burgess, who at the time was the oh, vice president, yeah. charged Channel 4. Yeah. And I went up to Mike beforehand. You know, he's a grumpy guy. And he's, by the way, a really good friend of mine. And I said to him, like, hey, thanks for the great coverage of The, of the Edge and Buck and Dex and the finger there. And he goes, you don't know the whole story. What's the whole story? Well, KOB FM ran Channel 4 News. <laughs> <laughs> so the news lady gets on live on, on KOB and starts talking about The Edge and the finger cut. <laughs> And they had a new program director who just went off on Burgess. <laughs> and I went, that's even better. He's like, rah, rah, rah. yeah, they, they, not only did you get the first story all night long on Channel 4, yeah, but you got a lead on KOP FM the next, the next day. Morning. That was great, man. That's amazing. That was one of the, that, that was probably our biggest one right there. That was a great one. Yeah, yeah. that was a yeah. good one. Because people, they, they had to watch the full video. Because at the end, we were like, we were holding the, the chicken and, like yeah. we didn't, we didn't cut his finger off, but you had to watch the whole video and nobody yeah. watches the whole video. <laughs> no, I was, that was, that was a good one. And yeah. yeah. So, you know, the whole thing that, that you guys related to your audience and your audience responded. Yeah. Uh, much to my dismay. And I was getting all these emails and they're copying John Hogan on them. Yeah. And I had a, I had a set answer that I just attached and hit reply and it would go out. Yeah. And Hogan asked me at a meeting, he said, uh, I hope you responded to all those. I said, I, I think I responded to all of them. He goes, oh, thanks, because I just deleted them. I said, okay, that's fine. It's my job, you know. But, uh, and I heard about it for at easily six, seven months afterwards. Yeah. Because all my buddy's kids are like, you played off with that guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, another, uh, another story that kind of uh, stands out is when you call this in your office and you said, um, you asked us about a bit that we that we did called Joe and the Deaf Guy. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. This never oh. made any oh. sense to us because, <laughs> yeah. So you get a complaint from a deaf person. And it's like, how the fuck did they hear the bit anyway? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seriously. It's Somebody like, signed them, you know, probably. They were signing along with, and they're doing, yeah. you know, it's like, <laughs> how did that happen? Well, it wasn't from that person. That person had their organization oh, wow. complaint. And I'm so a like, bunch of people that can't hear are complaining about something. Yeah. And I listened to the bit and I'm like, oh, that is so politically incorrect. So, so that's why you guys are in my office. And we were like, Chuck, it's one of the biggest bits we do. <laughs> one person complained. We can't get rid of this bit. People love it. Well, it was kind of, it was one of those bits. It was very... Yeah, I'd say you know, 50% loved it, 50% hated it. You know, it was... Well, we had to stop doing it because I think that's when I was dating Sarah. I yeah. started seriously dating Sarah and her mom's deaf. Oh, okay. And so Sarah, she said no. she had a talking to with me and she was like, uh-uh, uh-uh. And I was like, okay. Uh. <laughs> well, uh, uh, what was the thing you did, Miss, Miss Edge or... Oh, Buck Miss Buck and Dex. Dex. Yeah. Miss Buck and Dex, when that thing was going on, and then all of a sudden, you guys, because your wives said something, and you went, "We're done with it." Yeah, which I, was a, was a great promotion. Oh yeah, yeah, great. Oh, promotion. we got so so many hits from that man. Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. 
yeah, it was, it, that was a really good promotion. Again, very lifestyle, yeah. yeah, very relatable to your audience. And, uh, that's the thing that in my position, if really going through Tony or Phil or whoever the program director is, but making sure that everybody is relating to their individual audience. Right. You know, you do guys do a bit that you couldn't do even on 94 Rock. It wouldn't relate to that audience. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. and certainly not on the peak or big eye or hot or any of those, but they do bits too that wouldn't fly on your station. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, that's what makes really good local radio is relating to your audience yeah. and the, the people that uh, do it well get good ratings but then you guys just were in a format that had went through a a, a really big big change yeah i think too that you know a lot of i mean you're kind of handicapped here in a sense as far as it's kind of a niche format basically yeah. you know and the way that they monitor and um quantify that is through paper diaries Right. Because it's still on paper diaries, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we're like half of the country, you know, the, what is it? I don't know, market 50 and below or something or 60 and below. They still use paper diaries. Yeah. I think it's 50. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, you can't, you can't really get a true picture of things. It's it's, until, until you can really monitor it. Like, like Nielsen does for TV, because somebody turns the TV on, they know they're watching, you know, and there's really. That's changed. Has Tremendously. It? Yeah. Because they've they've left the black boxes in Albuquerque for TV, Nielsen has, mm-hmm. but they're not doing diaries with Nielsen. What they're doing is extrapolating viewership in Albuquerque based on Denver and Salt Lake City viewership. Oh, really? Oh, it's awful. Get, wow. Get, if you want to get TV GM all spun up, ask him about it. Jeez. Uh, and so what they've done since, since I left is Nielsen was bought Arbitron. Mm-hmm. Nielsen's giving you actual real monthly ratings, not trends like we used to see. Yeah, These are real where they've weighted them and everything. And I, I really haven't seen any of that, so I don't know how that's working. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the, the diary method, you're talking about 770 people telling you what 700,000 people are listening yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy the way yeah. they, they monitor But it's that. the only game in town, so we had to yeah. work it as best we could. Lemons, lemonade. That's the way it works. Yeah. Yep. Get lemons, make lemonade. Yep. So then I wasn't the one responsible for getting us fired. No. Neither one of you were, or both of you were. Okay. So let's Either way you want to say it. Okay. And you yeah. didn't get fired. Okay. We right. got, we got rift. rift. So, because when people ask me, because that's the number one thing. Why did you get fired? I, what I tell them, I feel like I kind of, I almost nailed it because. I said, my, my go-to answer is, listen, we, ratings were good. You know, we were, we were doing great. Yeah, they were okay. They were going, they were up and down. They were just but okay. you know how the rating system is. Yeah. It's bullshit. So it's like, okay. Um, what, um, for some reason I felt like this, in my opinion, the sales staff just wasn't, they weren't selling the station like they should have. Revenues were down. Revenue they was were way down. For whatever reason. And so therefore... How do I justify 
paying. Buck and I were making a good salary. We really were. We yeah, were, you were. We were, we were do, doing very well. You so, were doing very well when you took your salary and bonuses yeah. and put that together against the revenues. It didn't make sense. That's what I tell people, you know? And You're right. And that's really what I thought. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the answer that we- Let me yeah. tell you about being fired, though. <clears throat> you know Tim Gannon, the sales guy? Yeah. Love that guy. He was my boss at Citadel and fired me. Oh, really? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yep. Tim Gannon did? And it was for- Poor performance. Yeah. Wow. So the irony is, is that I leave there, I go to work for Milt, <clears throat> and then we consolidate, we become Clear Channel, and eventually I become the market manager, and eventually we need to fill a big sales hole, and Tim's available. And you bring over Tim. <laughs> Tim is salt of the earth, man. He's, oh, he's still great. over there, right? Yeah, he's still there. Yeah, as yeah. far as I know. Gosh, yeah. He's yeah, good, he is. Good great guy. guy. Yeah. Does, uh, does, does a great job. Yeah. And... Uh, took that list, which one of our senior salespeople had, and doubled it in less than a year. Yeah. So, but he did, for performance issues, there are probably a lot of other political reasons. Not probably. There were other political reasons. But I got called into the GM's office, and he was the director of sales. And they both sat there and stared at me. I said, come on, somebody do it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I knew what was going on. And so Tim finally turned to me and said, we're terminating your position for poor performance and blah, blah, blah. And here's your envelope. You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. And wow. uh, so, but, uh, mm. so it's, you know, uh, I say, if you haven't been fired, then you're not working hard enough. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. You know, I'll tell you though, it was for me, it was kind of a blessing. I mean, as far as just like financially, because it was actually a really big blessing for me, because if that hadn't have happened, if that wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't have, started to accelerate in this real estate thing that I've been doing. I mean, and it's, you know, I'm selling 10, 12 million bucks a year by myself in real estate. You know, that's, Great. that's a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, uh, it, it's good. And it's been, it's been helpful for my family. So I'm just glad we got that six month severance to help us through that. <laughs> well, you know, when, when it happened to me, um, you know, we always think, Oh my God, this is awful. And it turned out much better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I got one of the big, one of the great positions in broadcast in the state of New Mexico was the position I just retired from. Yeah. It's been 14 months. Since you retired? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know, and then now that the health issues are pretty much passed, I'm like full speed ahead. Yeah. You know, the grandkids yesterday, two of them, and they're getting so big. They just, they wear me out. If you want smaller kids, I can bring mine over to you anytime and just dump them off. Give, we had, give you a couple hours. <laughs> we had all six for my 70th birthday. And Camber, our nine-year-old, her yeah. birthday party, we combined them. Gosh, she's and nine. They were all there. And I tell everybody that, you know, because my granddaughter from Denver was there, the two grandsons from Taos and the ones here. So all six. And they all brought me a present, a cold. <laughs> yep. they're petri dishes yeah, yeah. you guys know but oh, yeah. dude. your kids are grown how old are yours now jeez four six and seven wow yeah yeah, yeah. last week everybody was out of school all week because they were all sick and then sarah got sick sarah's uh she's an or nurse she works at the or at press oh. and uh she only works wednesdays and thursdays and she went to work wednesday came home and she was like i think i'm getting sick and then she was in bed Thursday through Sunday. And so I was the only one that had a strong constitution that didn't get sick, but yeah. everybody else got wiped out last week. Yeah. Kids. I don't miss those days of getting sick all the time. Oh, it's just, a, it's crazy what they do, but it's so much fun. Yeah. yeah. You know, Christmas is so much fun. Oh, yeah. 
as uh, Dex and I were talking about it, when they're little, like our grandchildren are, yeah, you know, for five hundred dollars, we can buy all six of them more birthday Christmas presents than they can imagine. Yeah, but as they get older, and you're you're still young, so you can see. But as they get older, they're going to want phones and yep. our nine-year-old has a phone <laughs> that's great yeah no she my said just pop up what's your phone number i want to program you in <laughs> text me how you doing yeah nine. that's insane. yeah no ella ella she's the seven-year-old she asked me for a phone like about a month ago she's like can i have a phone for my birthday and i was like no you can't i'll get you an lol doll <laughs> <laughs> you don't get any technology until you're 15 yeah well and they all have ipads <clears throat> yeah. yeah all of mine have ipads and they're all hand-me-down ipads yeah but and they're on them all the time in fact i said you got to put some limits on them yeah and uh they have yeah. and some already have limits on them but uh it's just it's crazy the technology and that how these kids are growing up with oh, yeah. it and know it. And and that's where I was going with, you know, with radio is that my kids are teenagers and I don't think they've ever turned on an FM radio. Yes, they have. I, I really don't think so. I mean, if they did, they were younger and it was their mom was in the car. Or I was in the car. But for them, they're always YouTube, Spotify, YouTube music. I mean, they just it's not in their brain to turn on an FM radio. It really isn't, you know, so. That's kind of where I was going with that is like, what is it going to be like when your grandkids are grown up, you know, because technology is growing so it, quick. It'll still be there. It's evolving. I mean, radio is still going to be there no matter what. Right. And, just and radio like, with the streaming yeah. now, you know, I mean, that's really iHeart. That's that's their big thing. The iHeart radio app, you know, that oh, well, probably and, and all the, them. the blogs and everything yeah. they're doing. And, you know, um, I mean, I have that iHeart radio app. I still have it. We're and on that. I right. use that when yeah. I exercise and yeah. uh, when I drive. Uh, you know, I'll stick in, you know, my earbuds and we well, can listen to this on iHeartRadio app when it's up. Yeah, it's funny. iHeart was actually one of the first people to approve our podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so is it on iHeart? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're on all the major platforms. We're we have people listening to us now in fifty plus countries. Wow. Every state in the United States. I mean, we're we're yeah. true. We truly are world famous at this point, you know, because I mean. So is, what's it called? Buck and Dex? The Buck and Dex podcast. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah. No, it's just, just when they took that one station, the AM, mm-hmm. which they, they wanted to take it all comedy one time. And they're always coming in because, you know, it's not generating a lot of revenue. It was profitable. Yeah. There's no cost to it. And then they came in and turned it into all podcasting. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's crazy. Everybody has a podcast now, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody does. You know, if you need another hobby, what? there you go, Chuck. You know, it, I, I, I don't have a podcast. <laughs> I don't think I would have a very interesting one, but. It, it's funny when, you know, this just kind of came about. I don't know what happened. It was sometime in November. I just woke up one day and I was laying in bed. It was probably like six o'clock in the morning. And, you know, it's kind of when I start collecting my thoughts for the day. And, and this thought just popped into my head, it, you know, and it was like, it's time to do the podcast now. And I, you know, sat with it for three or four days and just kept coming up. So I called Dex and I was like, I think I was out on the trails, running the trails in the mountains. And I get a call from him and I usually send him to voicemail and I answered it that day. And he started telling me, Hey man, you want to do a podcast? And I was like, cause I just got done doing a YouTube show and I just got done. I got, I got fired over at, you know, the Christian station. He legitimately got fired. It's too toxic for that station, but oh really? Yeah, that's what they said. Oh wow! But uh, so I was like, okay, well, 
I was out, I just started running, you know? So I just ran the trails and he calls me up and I'm just like, Oh geez, nobody cares anymore. And, and here's uh, how I explained it to him. This is how, this was, this is how I explained, explained it to him. I said, Dex, this is our El Camino moment. And he was like, what are you talking about? And I said, did you see the new Breaking Bad movie, El Camino? And he'd watched it. And Breaking Bad had been off the air, was it 10 years? Yeah, I think so. It had been off the air for 10 years. That's it, really? Yeah. yeah. I think so. It was off the air for 10 years, and people were losing their minds for this El Camino moment, you know, for this El Camino movie. And yeah. I was like, dude, this is, this is what we're going to do. And we launched this social media campaign, and it was just, it went nuts. Yeah, absolutely nuts. Yeah, I was even the first the first episode. You know, I'm just sitting there like, <sighs> yeah, he was a real dickhole during that first episode. Yeah, he was. Well, like, and it's different. Sounded like he didn't want to be here, and it's like, you know what, dude, just go all in. Well, it's be fine. Doing a podcast is a, is a little bit different than doing the radio show because you know at least you know when we were doing the radio show, you know, I have the board and I'm in control of running the the commercial sets and timing it out and then doing the sound effects. And I mean, that to me was an art and it was so much fun to be able to like, you know, just create, you know, with the music beds and sound effects and all that kind of stuff. And so now it's just like, well, we just turn the mic on and hit record. It's different, but we still get to, you know, talk it, it and it's, create. It's, it's what I tell everybody who asks me about Distrockies, yeah. if you will, for lack of a better term. These guys have got to sit, and especially if you're by yourself in the studio. Oh, yeah. These guys have got to be up and imagine they're talking to certain people and they don't get the feedback on whether it worked or not for a while based on the diary methodology. And this is the same thing. I mean, yeah. we're doing a podcast and, and now do you get numbers on a daily basis? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I get all the analytics. I mean, the analytics that you get from a podcast, at least through the service that we're hosting through, yeah. it's amazing. You know what time people are listening. It breaks it down hourly. You know if they downloaded, if they just listened, where they're at. It's pretty amazing, like the numbers that you can actually pull What's out of like here. Like the streaming numbers we got. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Where they're listening. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, And it's amazing how much listening um, to especially – Albuquerque type radio or podcast happens overseas. Oh yeah. yeah. A lot of people on military. military. Yeah. Military yeah. for sure. We get hit up all the time by that. Yeah. And that's where I think we're seeing a lot of people we're huge in, in different countries because of the military bases, you know, yeah, yes. right. they get a taste of home. And that's the, that's the cool thing about us doing the show again is that it's that nostalgia, you know, it's that, man, I grew up listening to you guys and to hear you two together and hear you guys, you know, fight like two old people. It's like, I miss that, you know, and it's like, especially if they moved away to another city or another country, it's like, wow, it's a home, you know, and that, that makes you feel kind of special, you know? Well, you guys can still argue about the reason you got riffed. <laughs> it was whose fault it is. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm just glad that, you know, cause it was, it was a rough right before we got riffed. It was, you know, we, we had some drama going on. We, and every show has drama. I mean, that's, that's one of the things you have to deal with when you're doing a show with more than one person, you know? Well, and, and there's some of the mistakes we made, um, in putting your replacements on the way we did, um, didn't work. No. And honestly, I, I felt, I did feel bad, you know, in some ways, um, you know, whoever had to follow us. Oh, good Lord. Well, it's the same thing that happened on the country station. Exactly. 
you know, we went through two different morning shows before they came up with this syndicated, and Bobby Bones is through the roof. Yeah. Uh, but it took a while. Yeah. And it cost money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one thing corporate doesn't want to hear is that, you know what, we made a mistake in letting these guys go. It cost us revenue. Right. Well, then why'd you let him go? Well, because you're on my ass about <laughs> 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 yeah. bottom line and everything else, you know. Uh, and that's, you know, I, I missed, I, I had a lot of fun when you guys would bring me in the studio or I'd go to someone else's studio and we'd talk trash about whatever. And uh, that was fun. You know, going out on sales calls, dealing with the sales department, that was fun. Uh, the, the corporate side of it. And and I kept a lot of that away from the radio station, from the people there. And that was my job. Yeah. And, you know, I'd get on the phone with these guys sometime and say, this is all BS. It's not going to happen here. Yeah. And I did that. Um, I did that several times where I thought I was going to lose my job. Yeah. And uh, because, and what's interesting, because of my years in the business, because of my years in that position and Pretty successful the whole time. We had our moments, but mostly successful. I got away with more than somebody new in that position would get away with. Yeah. Because they knew that, hey, this guy, we've met with him. We've sat face-to-face with yeah. him. He knows what he's talking about. And better yet, he's got a great staff. Yeah. And Monero. Oh, yeah. He's, he's top-notch, man. And, you know, letting Bill May go was, oh, that was hard. And that really, really yeah. was hard on me. And, and uh <laughs> but uh, because Bill's great. Oh, yeah. yeah. And we were lucky that we had Tony there. Uh, and Bill ended up doing fine. The funny part is that the corporate guy, I'll say his name, Darren Davis, and he's done real well corporately, but he's the guy that wanted Bill gone. Really? How come he didn't want him? He didn't like Bill? Oh, they clashed initially. Oh, really? Uh, Darren's gay. Yeah. And Bill's the seems like he's gay, gayest straight guy or whatever, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know. But he's not. Yeah. No, no, he's not. And uh, so they clashed. And when that came down, I said, uh, and one of the things John Hogan had said at this meeting, the first one of these meetings, he said, "Okay, now you're going to still make a lot of decisions on your own. You're going to make a lot of decisions in concert with your senior vice president, and some decisions will be made for you." So I'm sitting in this meeting, and we're going through the. the Promotion staff, sales staff finally come to Bill. And I look at, at Mark, who was my senior vice president, and I said, well, I've got about a 10-minute uh, dissertation on why we need to keep Bill. And I looked at Mark, and Mark goes, this is one of the decisions that's being made for you. Oh, wow. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. And so, and that was hard. Yeah, uh, yeah. And Bill knew it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I came back, I couldn't tell anybody, not even Pam. She didn't even know. She knew the day before when all the paperwork came in. Yeah. And we had to put 14 packets together. Yeah. Uh, but it's, uh, <clears throat> but it was fun. I'm glad I was in the radio business. Yeah. I had a good time. I don't miss it. <laughs> but, you know, I had my first job when I was 14. Yeah. And I retired at 69. Yeah. So I put my time in. Yeah, you did. You had a good run. Had a good run. And we got a lot of things we're doing, having fun with. And, good. you know. And Carrie's got her two horses. Got yep. So she's happy. She's got yeah. three three horses, right? Two show and one retired. Right. Yo, new, yo. new horse came on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> the new horse came Monday. The old retired guy, he's 25. Wow. And he was a great champion show horse. Yeah. He really, and he still thinks he is, but he doesn't move so well. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, I, I was ready. 
Yeah. Yeah. I was definitely yeah, ready. Probably know. stayed on a couple more years than I should have, but yeah. yeah. You know, it was, uh, and you know, my own, my advice is I give all new salespeople, especially who I know are going to go on straight commission and are going to make really good money is get yourself in a savings mode. Yeah. Put that stuff away because it's amazing. And I do the math on at the age of 25, if you invest, I don't remember what the number is, but let's say it's $1,500 a year. And you do that for 10 years and then forget about it. By the time you're 60, you're done. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, we're lucky that we've had a, a good economy right now and the stock market's doing great. Yeah. And, you know, with all the political BS that's going on, you know. So if we give you a, um, a bumper sticker to put on your car, will you put it on there? <laughs> I don't even have a Cubs bumper sticker on my car. All right. Well, Carrie, Carrie oh, would God, do no. it. Oh, she won't do it. No. What's she driving? Well, she has, she has a Jeep. She had a truck, right? Well, we still have the truck. Okay. We have, <laughs> okay. We have the motorhome. You got the motorhome. We've got, we inherited from her mom, a F-350 dually. Oh, nice. We have our own F-350. Both of them have over 250,000 miles on them. Yeah, diesel. She's got a, a Jeep Rubicon now. And I still got my little Lexus convertible. Yeah, I saw your Lexus out there. I have a Lexus now too. Yeah. It's not a convertible though. Well, this thing is a 2003. It's got 150,000 miles on it. And I just take it to the Lexus. Well, now, my buddy Tom Bowman used to own the Lexus dealership. He and his partner just sold out a few months ago. And now he bought into the Mercedes dealership. Oh, did he really? I don't know if you've seen. He's doing the same TV spot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So I we play golf with them, so I give them a hard time about it. So we're uh, we're in the process of making our. We've wanted to do this. We wanted to do this while we were on the air during political seasons. And so what we've done now is now that we actually have the resources to do it, we're making yard signs for people, oh. and we're making uh, bumper stickers, and we're basically spoofing like the Elizabeth Warren sticker, the Trump sticker, the Bernie Sanders sticker, and we're going to have all of these different Buck and Dex for podcast stickers out there. So that's great. Yeah. Great idea. Yeah. Great time to do it. Take advantage of Heck it. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. Because well, it's going to be, uh, who was I talking to? Oh, I was talking to a TV rep the other day, old friend, and talking about what's going to happen in the political season, how national is going to take up all the TV time, which is true. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. Especially with the Democrats stepping on their proverbial dick with this impeachment stuff. You might see some... Democrats go down in, in the state of New Mexico. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is, which is which be, unheard of. Well, Trump started actually doing stuff here. I've noticed that Trump started doing stuff here uh, probably about a month before the impeachment stuff yeah. started. Mm -hmm. And they started attacking certain people. And, you know, he's, he's said he's trying to flip New Mexico to red. I don't think you'll flip it to red, no. but I think you could win. I think they'll win the, the seat in the South. Because that's perennially been a Republican one. Yeah. When Steve Pierce had it. Yeah. But I think that one, District One here, I don't know. Uh, Deb Howland's done some good stuff, but she's a Democrat. You think Ron Ketty's got a? Well, he's got tell you such. What. He's got such a familiar face for people, and like people, yeah. his name recognition is through the roof. But this has happened before, right? There's been other uh, people. Not no, not like media. that. Like Larry Aaron's ran, and that's that's different. Yeah. Okay. A radio guy running for an office is completely different. Yeah, you're right. And a guy who's been on TV forever. No, it's true. And he totally has those rosy, different. Those rosy cheeks, man. They, well, they get me to vote. You know. Ben Ray, 
Um, and I've, I've known Ben Ray for a long time because I, I spent a lot of time in Washington and in Santa Fe lobbying for the broadcasting industry because I was yeah. chairman of the broadcasters for several years. But uh, Ben Ray's raised a lot of money and he'll raise a lot more. If Ronchetti can get through the primary pretty unscathed without having to spend a lot, uh, then he'll have a lot of Republican money behind him. But uh, the Democrats don't want to lose certainly that Senate seat. Yeah. And that's really big deal. So they're going to pour a lot of money in. Well, the Republicans are like, although Ben Ray wasn't real hands-on during the impeachment, uh, they'll they'll go full force after that mm-hmm. because it's a, it's an empty seat with Udall even. Yeah. And uh, so it'll be an interesting political season. Um, you know, I will vote on the day. There's some tradition I was brought up with, you know. Some old habits don't die, but I will I will vote. But uh, it'll be it'll be real interesting to see what happens in, nationally, but especially in this state. Yeah, with three Democratic House seats, a Senate seat open. Yeah, and that's a great idea to do those bumper stickers like that. Oh yeah, I just don't put stickers on my car. Uh, okay, yard sign. Actually, Can my next door yard neighbor, sign? who's a diehard Democrat, he's in the. He's always coming over because I'm a registered Democrat, although yeah. I don't always vote that way. Uh, but he's always over having me sign petitions and stuff. He's a great guy. But uh, he does yard signs. So maybe I'll put one in his yard. Okay. There you go. You know what we could do if you just want to kind of toy with him a little bit? We can make we can give you one of the ones that looks like a Trump sign, but it's actually a Buck and Deck sign. And he'll lose his mind. He'll come over <laughs> and probably take a piss on your begonias or something. Who knows? Well, and he doesn't take care of his front yard as well as we take care of okay. ours. So I could probably put it in there and he might go unnoticed. <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll get a yard sign. All right, uh, good. I, my wife won't let me put it in our yard. but Okay. Well, this was fun. This was fun to catch up. And, yeah. You know, we haven't seen you in a while. It's good to see you guys. Thanks yeah. for reaching out. And yeah. uh, Hey, no, thank you for everything you did for us. I mean, we wouldn't have been able to do what we did without the support from you. And, you know, I mean... You, I always tell people, Chuck is one of, you and Bill May, top-notch, two of the best bosses I've ever had. And it's Love me been, some Bill May. Really, That's because of you guys, we were able to grow and become who we were, you know? Yeah. You I guys, you. You guys uh, build a franchise. No mm. question. Yeah. yeah. It just, uh, you know, ran into the great buzzsaw of economics. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, I used to say, you guys were the, the first people, I think I said, the fucking Buck and Dex guys. <laughs> <laughs> and shake my head. And Bill May, Bill May was, you know, because he just loved that station. Yeah. Uh, but he would he'd come in and go, calm me down, Chuck. Let's talk about this. And, and fucking Buck and Dex this and that. And, and he just, you know. And then, and now, you know, when before I left, I was saying it about, Different people on morning shows, and Tony was going, "Now, Chuck, <laughs> <laughs> that's great." <laughs> I won't go into all that, but it's uh, no, it's it's fun managing uh, morning shows that has talent who wants to succeed, who does different things, and yeah. and when you when you can piss off the general manager because you did a stunt that you're doing a lot of things right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, not a lot of... Uh, well, we did a lot of stuff right then. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of personalities have bosses that are like that, you know? Not a lot of yeah. DJs. So, I mean, that's why I think you see a lot of people getting fired in the business, you know? Because, yeah. you know, you don't have good people that you work for. So, thank you. Well, I, I was asked, um, 
several times uh, from when I turned like 62, they'd say, well, when are you thinking about retiring? I said, I, you know, I really don't know. I don't have a timetable. And they go, well, you're here as long as you want to be. You know, you're doing great. And, and then they'd ask this question, what do you attribute your success to? Buck and Dex. And my answer was <laughs> always the same. Outstanding leadership. <laughs> and I'd get that. Yeah. The little chuckle. No, no, really. <laughs> what do you attribute your success to? And I said, great people. Yeah. yeah. And, and I was lucky to have great people. A lot of them are still there. Some have, like you guys, have gotten, you know, fell under the economic blade. And, uh, but, uh, you know, that, that was a good thing. Good people. And it's uh, any business is successful, especially one like ours, like radio, where people are your asset. You know, once you build that building and spend all the money on the equipment and the capital outlay, it's all about the people. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Cool. Chuck Hammond. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks, yeah. Chuck. Thank you. Appreciate you. That's all we got. There ain't no more. Time is tight. It's the end of the show. Have you been thinking of a career in the fire service? Don't know where to start? You can check out Vulcan Fitness. I've been a part of Vulcan Fitness now, um, going into my second uh, Vulcan program. First, uh, first one was eight weeks. Uh, just launched into my second one, and I'm looking to become a firefighter. And that's exactly what Vulcan Fitness is all about. It prepares you to be a firefighter and EMT. Uh, the fire service, it requires high levels for physical fitness, mental fortitude on a daily basis, and Vulcan Fitness has developed a program to prepare you mentally, nutritionally, and physically for what it takes to be successful. Uh, their 10-week program covers an academic portion, which contains exam prep, studying tactics, interview practice, and portfolio enrichment, and a fitness and nutrition portion, which helps with physical deficiencies and nutrition education geared to help you to reach your goal. So you can check out the... You can check them out right now on Instagram at hashtag I am Vulcan fit. That's on Instagram at hashtag I am Vulcan fit and their website at Vulcanathlete.com. That's Vulcanathlete.com.